Look at my butt. Show number 265 of Look at His Butt, LT and JK Talk Trek. So here we are, listeners, with another episode coming to you from the summer of 2019, where in California, anyway, it was over 100 degrees at least three days this week. It was oh. crazy. Oh, that's How, awful. How's it been in Chicago? Well, I tell you, summer didn't get here till the beginning of July. Mm. But since then, this has been one of the most beautiful summers. Oh, How nice. Yeah, we've had just like really great weather. Um, we've had, you know, a few days rain, but not much. It's never so far, hope I don't jinx it, gotten really <laughs> hot or really humid. But of course now, you know, I'm thinking about the books you read about that beautiful summer in England right before World War II or whatever. And I'm like, yes, it's all coming down. But, yeah, the weather's been okay. Oh, well, good. That is nice. Oh, well, I, I understand that the weather's just been crazy everywhere in the rest of the world and the rest mm -hmm. of the country as well. So we're all yep. going to die, but... That aside, you know, we're just going to continue to do this podcast as long as there's <laughs> electricity and internet. We'll be the... podcasting from the bunker. <laughs> it's true. We probably will. So on to our topics of conversation. We, yes. we have uh, several things. So number one, breaking news. And I mean, really breaking news like half an hour ago. Um, I saw on Twitter that they'd handed out the 2019 Hugo Awards in yes. Dublin, Dublin, Ireland. And lots of good things won, very diverse, uh, amazing span of people who won for novels and, and all of that stuff. But the most amazing thing is the best related work was won by Archive of Our Own. So fan fiction has officially won a Hugo Award. That is so amazing. I am so excited for them. I'm, I'm crazy happy for them. And so... <laughs> It's you wait. Okay, back when we used to, you know, have all these arguments with John Ordover and stuff about, you know, should fan fiction even exist and should it be recognized in any way and blah 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 blah. Something like this to say here, here it is. There's a whole big bunch of it, and it's not going away. Yep. It's just so good. It's wonderful. The person who accepted on behalf of the entire staff, because there's so many people who run it, right, um, was uh, Naomi Novik, and she thanked all of the authors at Archive of Our Own, because it was not an award won just by the people who run it, although right. it wouldn't exist without all of their tireless mm -hmm. um, effort, energy. They do it all for nothing. Everybody's a volunteer. They keep it running via <sighs> donations. You know, nobody's getting any money for this. But it's the authors, right? If there weren't authors writing fan fiction and people leaving comments and kudos and mm -hmm. clamoring for more, it wouldn't exist at all. So really, in, in that way, the archive of our own is an archive of our own, and it yep. is the thing. The other thing about it is that unlike other places like fanfiction.net, which is where you know we used to post our stuff back in the day, there's mm -hmm. no censorship. There's no anything at archive of our own. Mm -hmm. You know, there's things that people hate. And there's stuff that's probably offensive, and there's all kinds of pairings that people probably are not on board with, and that would be illegal if it was real, but they censor nothing. So whatever you want to write, that's you can put it up there, and nobody can take it down and say, sorry, no. You know, I have been giving this a lot of thought, the whole idea of, of censorship. 
of any any of the arts or, or you know any of those things and I think I think that's the 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 rule to follow is we don't censor anything because the minute you censor one thing so the next thing you know somebody is questioning another thing so you're having to go is this worse than that thing is this as bad as that thing it's like nope nope no standards here you know I I just think it just makes everybody's life easier and if you don't like it don't go there. Don't yeah. read it. Don't order it off the menu, you know? Yeah, I, I agree. There, there's just saying that things can't exist, right? Because it's a particular kind of art that you find offensive or you don't think should exist is not a way to do art. I mean, art mm-hmm. has to be boundless in that way. But the counterbalance, of course, is that you have to be able to criticize it and you have to be able to say it can exist in certain places and not in other places. And that's a right that you have to do, but to just ban it outright. um, Certainly the government shouldn't be involved in, in censoring things in that way, you know, Mm -hmm. not, not in the arts, but if it's, if it's art and you're providing an archive for it, you just, you should let it all be there and people Mm -hmm. can sort out, put warnings on stuff, lots of warnings on stuff. Warnings are good, but just let it exist. Um, it's it's not a way of doing fandom wrong, as we've often discussed many times. Yes, yes. Well, just congratulations to everybody, but especially the the wonderful volunteers there who keep this whole thing running. Mm-hmm. And to the Hugo Committee, I want to know who nominated them or how this came about. Oh, I don't even know. I mean, I... I, I <sighs> I think they might have been on the ballot once before, but I, I could ah. be wrong about that. But it seemed, just given everything that's happened in fandom and the rise of so many internet communities and Tumblr and everything, it, the time was sort of ripe to recognize fandom as a whole and fan fiction as a whole in that way that transformative works are a huge part of fandom, not just buying Funko Pops and you know <laughs> yeah. getting autographs from your favorite actors that... The production of art that's inspired by our favorite things in science fiction and fantasy is hugely important. Yep. Yep. So it's delightful. I'm so happy. Well, you know, um, I wonder if, I mean, obviously you can't brush fan fiction under the rug anymore. There's, there's just too much of it. But also there are a number of fan fiction writers who have gone on to write some really good science fiction and, mm-hmm. you know, other stuff that isn't fan fiction. And I wonder if the time finally came to acknowledge the world of fan fiction as for some people, it leads to other things, mm-hmm. you know, that, that we normally reward and we yeah. recognize. And, you know, if, if, if you're going to say these, these workshops for musicians are great, well, why isn't fan fiction a great workshop or a, a great jumping off point for writing? Agreed. And I think, too, uh, there are still a number of professional authors who still write fan fiction. I know. <laughs> um, under pseudonyms and people don't know who they are. Sometimes they do. Sometimes it's not yeah. so big a secret. But they, they've continued. So, yes, I agree. It's the people who grew up with fan fiction as a thing who are now old enough to be you know, established authors, that's where they got their start was mm-hmm. writing fan fiction and posting it on the internet and then turning it into their actual writing gig. So if there hadn't been fan fiction, maybe they wouldn't even be mm-hmm. writers now. And that would be a huge loss. 
Well, you know what just occurred to me, too? Back in the days when they used to accept scripts from just anybody, Mm -hmm. and I'm not even just talking about Star Trek, but lots of TV shows, right? Okay, the first time somebody, some particular individual sends in their script, if it gets accepted, they're a professional writer. Mm -hmm. If it doesn't, that was a fanfic. (laughs) <laughs> yes, that's exactly <laughs> right. Yes, I never thought about it that way before. But yes, you're absolutely true. So very yeah. thin line there, folks. It's just money. <laughs> yeah. And as people have said for years and years, so much of what we consider um, real uh, literature is fanfic anyway, right? Yeah. It's, it's stories about other stories and you know, mm-hmm. would we like to say that Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead is fanfic of Shakespeare? I think we could make that argument. I definitely well, think we could make that argument. And I think you can make the argument that the movie Shakespeare in Love is fanfic of Shakespeare. Sure. So, you know, if that's yeah. okay, why not other things? Uh, yeah. And all these retellings of, you know, the Iliad from a different character's point sure. of view. I mean, that's a standard fanfic thing. Still fanfic. So yeah. go fanfic. Yay. Yay. I am happy. So uh, that was cool. Just finding out about that was neat. Point number two. um, So when I was visiting several weeks ago, some weeks ago, months ago, I guess it was a while ago now. It was a while ago. (laughs) uh, We watched a cool thing and then we totally forgot to talk about it on the show. (laughs) But it was such a cool thing that I still remember a lot about it. Oh, I do too, for sure. So it was, was it on Amazon? It was on Amazon, right? (sighs) Amazon or Netflix, one of the two. But if you remember way back when, Bill did a series of interviews called The Captains. Mm -hmm. And he interviewed all these different people who had played Captains of the Enterprise. And one in the series is, has, the person he interviews has has never played a Captain of the Enterprise. And that was Christopher Plummer. Mm -hmm. And this was just so amazing. Um, when I was in high school, growing up in the Detroit area, one of the things, you know, you could sign up to do, which I did every year, was go on the trip to Stratford. Mm-hmm. And so I have been to Stratford, or, in, you know, in the olden days, I'd been to Stratford several times. I've seen plays in that theater. And, you know, it starts out Bill's walking around the grounds, which are absolutely beautiful, and talking about his days there. And, and then he gets into the theater, and he and Christopher Plummer, sit down like center stage in this empty theater just on two chairs and just start talking for an hour for an hour and the great thing about it was there was so much i didn't know i didn't know they had first worked together in radio when they were both mm-hmm. teenagers mm-hmm. you know grew up very you know similar moved to um you know, Toronto and everything about the, around the same time. But they were so obviously having such a great time. It wasn't even to entertain us. It was to entertain themselves going, do you remember so-and-so and, oh, whatever happened to him? And, and I remember you had to talk like this, you know, and it was so wonderful. It's so it's called, I just looked it up. It's on Amazon. And okay. it's, it's called Still Kicking, a conversation between William Shatner and Christopher Plummer. Um, if you have Amazon Prime, you can rent it. It was recorded in 2013. Uh, okay. So it's a little old, but not dated at all. I mean, it's it's current, oh, no. really. And yes, it was fascinating to hear about the old days. And also to hear, I mean, I kind of know this stuff, but I forget it. When you were saying they got their start in radio, that was French radio because it was yes. it was in Montreal. And so they were doing French plays and French reports and everything. And 
it just kind of blows my mind that that's normal, right? Because yeah. they're so monolingual, stupid Americans. And they're just like, oh, yes. And they talked about different pronunciation and, and you know, the as you were saying, the voice that you have to use for these very serious things. And, oh, man, it was just super interesting <laughs> to hear all of the backstage gossip that they still remembered from oh, what my is it God. Now, 60 years ago. So it, interesting. Some of it was so funny. Bill started talking about when he moved to Toronto, he was broke. He didn't know anybody. He could only afford to stay, live in this super sleazy hotel where the rooms were so dark and so depressing he couldn't stand to be in there. So he'd go down downstairs and all the hookers were there and Christopher Plum interrupts and goes, the Isabella! <laughs> I used to hang out there all the time. <laughs> and then the more Bill goes on describing it, Chris Palmer goes, yes, it, it has to be the Isabella. <laughs> so it was like, oh, my God. Oh. And then they would talk about um, actors they knew, actors mm -hmm. who in general were a little older or quite a bit older than they were, who they were maybe a little in awe of and, and everything. But in every story, at least once, Christopher Plummer would say, oh, could he drink? Yes. Oh, she could drink like a fish. You know, that was like all this drinking. <laughs> so much drinking all the time. And, and so many stories of, yes, and we went out and we had such a great time and we didn't even sleep. And we came back the next day and we had to do an afternoon show and none of us had gotten any sleep whatsoever. And they were just up for days at a time yep. partying and acting and, and having an amazing time doing this thing that they loved so much. So. And and you were young enough to do stuff like that, you That's know. Right. They could they could keep it up. So it is delightful and it's interesting to see Bill talking to someone that he can't bullshit. Yes. So he can't tell stories that aren't true, uh, basically. Well, I mean, you know, yeah. knows what he's embellishing. But, you know, it's not as if Bill's talking to someone that he doesn't know or an interviewer who mm -hmm. is much younger than him. This is a peer that he just can't bullshit so it's it's a very interesting dynamic between the two of them i thought mm -hmm. that was fascinating and i also thought it was cool that so much of of what we kind of know about bill now um was very evident in the stories he was telling so you know staying at this hotel not knowing anybody Bill's always said, especially now, that he's always been a very lonely person mm -hmm. and that he wasn't like he didn't he wasn't the party guy. He wasn't sleeping around with tons of women. He wasn't, uh, you know, at yeah. a bar with women hanging off of him. He was really very shy and very lonely and it was hard for him to make friends. And the stories he told and, and the things that Plummer said really bore that out. So that was a, a neat view into him as a young man, mm -hmm. uh, the truth, as opposed to maybe the image that he would have liked to project at that time. Right. Well, and the, the other thing is to hear their different takes on similar things. Cause when they were going, Oh, I thought you were in and I was out of it. Mm. No, you were in. I was so jealous of you. And you know, the, and then each of them ha had a very different take on when Bill had to go on for him and Henry V. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so that's super interesting. But there was one other thing to me, this is such an actor thing. I, I love it so much. Um, they were talking about some older actor. I don't remember the name, you know, they're, these are people they worked with and they knew and they are names we do not know. These are mm -hmm, not, mm -hmm. you know, they're not gossiping about well-known people. And uh, and Christopher Plummer, you know, who had 
uh, many, many times gone back to Canada and done a season at Stratford and everything. You know, he kept going back and forth. And he said, oh, well, he finally retired. But then a few years later, he came back to play Humpty Dumpty in Alice in Wonderland. And he was wonderful as Humpty. <laughs> I just love that. Wonderful as Humpty. That's probably what that actor would like on his tombstone. Yes, yes. He did it. He he, he took this weird fucked up role and he was great. He was so good. <laughs> he was so good that you got, you start calling him just Humpty by his first name. Not even Humpty Dumpty or Mr. Dumpty. He was Humpty. <laughs> Oh, so good. So we strongly recommend that if you can see that. It really is a a different side of Bill, even different Mm. from when uh, he and Leonard did Mind Meld. Yes, because he knows Chris Plummer longer, and they met when they were very, very young. So Yeah, they were teenagers. Yeah. Oh, so, so very interesting. And I got to wonder, um, oh, they did show some um, clips of him, as you mentioned, going around the grounds and looking mm-hmm. at it. And then he went into the archive oh, and yes. there was a very nice uh, person working there who was showing newspaper clippings and some of the costumes. Mm-hmm. And, and that was cool just to yes. see, oh, man, geez, they've got like warehouses full of this stuff that's, well, that's stored yeah. there. Um, and and to, to get his modern day take on what it was like to be there as a young man. I think even at one point, right when he was walking around the lake, he was saying, Oh, I had to decide what I was going to do. And there was a, a girl that I wanted to marry. And I remember standing right here, right at this bench, and oh, wow. trying to decide what my future was going to be. And, you know, places are so evocative, right? When you're oh, young yeah. and then you come back and you remember that who you were at that moment, standing mm-hmm. there trying mm-hmm. to make a decision. So that was, it was really super good to see all that. I'm so glad he decided to do that. What a, like what inspired that, you know, just a whim to go back to Stratford and Plummer happened to be there. So they made it all happen. Or again, or maybe he ran into Plummer somewhere and, and you know now, I mean, nowadays it seems like everything Bill suddenly takes an interest in, he's going to make a documentary out of it. <laughs> you know, he's doing his, his folk album or his oh, a country his album. It's a blues, blues album. album now. And so yeah. he's going to do a documentary of Bill finding the blues in himself. You know, That's so right. it's like he ran into Chris in a bar and said, hey, wouldn't this be fun to <laughs> just sit and talk, the two of us, and we could go to Stratford and do it and, uh, and film it. <laughs> and then we'll put it out on Amazon. It'll be great. It'll be so yes. good. Yes. Oh, it, yeah. And it, and it was. is so good. So. It is really good. Um, they did talk about Star Trek, of course. Uh, we're of kind course. of glossing over the later part of the conversation where they talked about filming the movie and, and how much fun it was to just pal around and be on the set together. They, mm-hmm. they clearly both had a, a whale of a time making that movie and doing all the Shakespeare stuff and, you know. Right, right. Hamming it up. That's right. Yes. Oh, good. So, okay, we've talked about that. Now we can cross that off the list. That be yes, good. cross it off the list, but I, we really do strongly urge you, if you have Amazon Prime or have a friend who has and will let you, you know, sit in their house and watch mm-hmm. this for an hour or so, do it. It's really, it's stuff you haven't seen before from Bill. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Totally. Um, so I tell you what, uh, I now have a report to give about Silicon Valley Comic-Con. So I think we should take a little break. I know it's early and That's then we'll okay. come back and the second half of the show will be basically me talking. So for people who don't like to listen to me talking, you can go away now because <laughs> it's just going to be me talking, but I got no, some I'll good be stories. Doing reaction sounds. I, don't worry. Oh yeah. We'll, we'll need that. And maybe some, some sound effects to go in there. So okay. um, everybody just hold your horses. We'll be back in a minute with the report, Silicon Valley Comic-Con. 2019. Whee!
space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Listeners, we would love to hear from you. Send us email at lookathisbutt at gmail.com or look us up on Facebook and leave us a comment. Tell us your Trek news. Here's the, here's the story. Here's my story. Here's my narrative, my field report, all of it in one place. So I went to Silicon Valley Comic Con yesterday uh, without you, and it was sad to go without you, but yeah. I wanted to go because it was You happening. had a companion, right? I did. I had someone Good. to keep me company. Okay. So this year, um, I wasn't sure if I wanted to go both days because they were announcing a lot of the guests and stuff at the very last minute. So even as recently as two weeks ago, the schedule was still looking quite empty. And I thought, Ooh. Oh, is it even going to be worth going? But then it got closer and it looked good. So I ended up buying a ticket on Friday night for the day on Saturday, as opposed to oh, what wow. we usually do. Yeah. Right. Doing the VIP thing, which you need to do quite a bit in advance. So I was not a VIP this year. I was just a normal person and it was, it was fine, <laughs> but okay. it, I don't think I'd do it this way again if I could help it because you buy your ticket, you can print it out or put it on your phone. You have to go to a tent and then you have to get checked in and you get your wristband and then you have to go stand on a different line to get checked in. So be, between the time I got to San Jose and the time I actually got into the convention center was a good hour and 20 minutes. Ew. It was a lot of time. It wasn't bad and it wasn't super hot, <sighs> but it was still like, I didn't really want to be spending that much time waiting in lines and things. So right. that, that was a good learning experience just to know this is what it's like on a Saturday. If you don't, this is how the little there. people do conventions. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> so it was fine. You know, as usual, the people working there were very good, very efficient at directing people around. They had lots of points where you could go in and out. The bag people were nice and didn't, you know, ransack your bag and all of that. Mm -hmm. um, the signage inside is still not as good as it could be, <laughs> but that seems to be a perennial problem. Yeah. Uh, they had a, a pretty full complement of big talks and little talks. And this year, see, we didn't go last year, so I don't know what last year was like. But this year, there was a lot of focus on photo ops and autograph sessions with people from the Terminator movie. So Arnold Schwarzenegger was there. Really? And other, yeah, and, and Robert Patrick and Edward Furlong. Um, so that was weird. And they also had Jason Momoa, the guy who played Aquaman. Yes. And some of the casts of some other shows that I don't watch. Like there were some people from Lucifer and I don't know anything about that show. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the time in the bigger rooms was taken up with photo ops and, and autograph sessions as opposed to talks. So I think there were fewer big talks this year, which was a little disappointing. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe they're just kind of experimenting with the format to see what people will put up with or, or mm -hmm. what can get them. But it felt like there were more people there this year who were just there to see like Arnold Schwarzenegger and Jason Momoa, as opposed to attending the talks. Mm. So interesting. But again, I was only there on Saturday. I don't know what it was like on Friday night or on Sunday. 
So here's what I did on Saturday. So I got there. I went to the first big talk, which was Chris Hadfield. I was very excited to see him. And he was interviewed by Adam Savage. So you really Uh-oh. can't beat that combination. Um, because it took so long to get in, um, I got to Chris Hadfield's talk after he'd been talking for five minutes or so. And so it was in the big ballroom. You, you remember where we've yes. seen Bill and other places. It was not completely full, which surprised wow. me. It was full, but it was not uh-huh. packed. Like, I was afraid that I wasn't going to be able to get in. And there were there were seats. So I get there, and I run over, and I sit down, and, and he's Chris Hadfield is talking about growing up and wanting to be an astronaut and saying, when I was little... Um, there was not a lot happening, you know, there was the space program, but it seemed very far away. And then suddenly there were, you know, the, the astronauts going into space and that was amazing. And there were these things. And then there was this guy and he puts a picture of James T. Kirk. Up on the <laughs> and I was like, yes. Oh my God. Thank you so much. For getting, to, getting to Captain Kirk right at the beginning of your talk was about what this guy, this guy. And everyone was like, woo. And he said, you know, for him personally, Kirk was a huge inspiration because he was the captain of a starship. Mm-hmm. He was a um, confident, respected, smart, um, you know, stra- strategic thinking kind of guy who obviously had respect for his crew and people looked up to him and he thought, that's the kind of person I want to be. And I was like, thank you so much. That was oh, delightful to hear it. And he really? referred back to, to Star Trek and to Kirk a couple of times. But he cites Kirk, played by Shatner, as a really big inspiration for him becoming an astronaut. And that was just amazing. Oh, oh and, and he goes, yeah, he was confident, blah, blah, blah. And he's Canadian, which was really funny. <laughs> So that was great. So he talked all about his journey and the things that he did and how he got to work at NASA. And he talked a lot about what it was like to be on the space station and how amazing it is. And, you know, he just has such an an incredible energy Mm -hmm. and so much passion for what he does um, and how important space exploration is to humanity and, you know, how it changes you. Well, we heard this in the, the show that Bill directed when he yes. was um, interviewed. It just mm-hmm. changes you as a person to go into space and suddenly you're not on Earth anymore and you're yeah. not even attached to anything. You're just this little blob floating there. So it's cool. And Adam Savage interviewed him and they, they told a lot of good stories about experiments in space and it was really good. You know, he managed to, to take this very complicated thing and bring it down to Earth in a way that was relevant to just anybody who wanted to hear about it with all this passion and mm-hmm. giving just fun little details about what life is like when you're up in space and the things that you can do and all the unexpected stuff that happens to you. Interview was really good. They told funny stories about experiments that they wanted to do and sometimes couldn't do and the future of the space program. They talked about that a little bit too. So I was just delighted to to hear him talk and I hope that they recorded that mm-hmm. and maybe it'll get put up on YouTube or something because that would be cool. Yes. He said one thing that bothered me and if there had been more time for questions at the end, I really wanted to jump up there and point it out to him. But he was talking about how when we are growing up as people, we often look around us at the world and receive all these messages about what we're able to do and what we're not able to do. And he said, in a lot of cases, you're never told to your face, you can't do this, but you get that message, you absorb it through society and the visions Mm -hmm. that you see on television or in movies or whatever. And 
his opinion is you should just do what you want to do. Like, don't pay attention to the world giving you messages that you aren't allowed to do what you do. Like if you're passionate about something, you'll find a way to get there. And I agree with that. But I also think that he's overlooking the long, long history of women and people of color being told to their faces, you can't do this. Yes. It's never well, been. Well, that's a... part of his male privileges. He is, he didn't hear it to his that's face. Right. Like we like did. Like we did. Like, and still, people still hear it. There are still lots of women who get mm -hmm. told, you can't do this. Lots of girls in science class being told, you can't do this. People of color being told, mm -hmm. you cannot do this because you're not smart enough or you're not good enough. So I think it would serve him well to modify that stance a little bit just because even though it's not his experience, it is experience and other people have absolutely experienced being yes. told to their face, you can't do this thing. Yeah. Yeah. So not, not a, not a huge criticism, but I do think it would be worth it for him perhaps to examine that a little more carefully. Right. Yeah. Um, so did that, um, went upstairs to the exhibit hall, looked around at all the stuff, did not see too many Kirk, not Kirk's, uh, surprise, oh. surprisingly, yes. I did take a photo and I'll put it on Facebook of the, um, new Mego dolls that are coming out that are, um, uh, in their dress uniforms. So it's Kirk wearing his, you know, court martial thing, mm -hmm. his tunic. And because it's a Mego doll, it looks like him. <laughs> oh, cool. you know, well, it's got the same mold. They're using the same face. Right, and those right. dolls always look good. The costume, I got to say, I didn't think that the work on the actual uniform was very good. The color mm. looked weird. I didn't like the fabric, so whatever. I'm not going to buy it. But it was neat to see that. Um, lots of ships for sale. Uh, <laughs> you know, that's a, that's the thing this year, right? Hallmark is doing ships for the yes. ornaments. So everybody had them. They were at like every booth that you went to that was selling them. Did you see, since you mentioned ships and ornaments, the thing I posted about the Hallmark ornaments this year? <laughs> Those are not out yet. Those will be available in November, I assume. Okay, but but it's, it's you know, Sulu and Uhura mm -hmm. and Kirk and, and Beardy Spock. Yes. And they talk to each other. And if you get them all, they'll do a scene. Yeah. They'll do the episode. It's, I don't like it. It's, it's bizarre. The, I had posted a picture of the Kirk one a, a little while ago, and it right, looked right. nothing like him. I know, but I want somebody who gets all four of these <laughs> to film it, them doing, you know, the mini episode. Oh, I, I want to see I'm it. I'm sure someone will put it on YouTube. I'm sure yes. it will happen. Um, yes. So Okay, so back to the So con. walked around, looked at, went to the autograph area. So in, in um, you'll remember upstairs, there's all of the um, the booths where you can buy stuff. And then right. at one end of the hall is the autograph area where the, the stars yep. sit. So I walked over there hoping to catch a glimpse of Captain Pike himself. And in fact, he was there. Now, I, I did not buy an autograph with him because I'm cheap. And also, <laughs> you know, it's like I don't really want his autograph. I would have liked to have just gone up to him to say hi. But I felt like if I hadn't paid, I wasn't going to get up there to say hi to him. But um, he was there and he's a very handsome man in person. Uh, I have to say that he was <laughs> he, he was sitting there and there were two fans talking so, so earnestly with him. 
and it very much felt like a Galaxy Quest moment where they were oh. saying to him, so in the episode where you had to, and he's like, uh-huh, 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 and he, <laughs> and he looked very serious, he was paying attention to them, and, you know, gravely sort of nodding his head and acknowledging whatever it was they were saying to him. So um, he, he was he was on stage um, today, which is Sunday. He was going to do a talk, and I wasn't going to go just to see him talk. But uh, oh. I'm hoping to try to find a report from someone who says what he talked about. Right? Yeah. If uh, if any of our listeners were there today mm-hmm. and went to his talk, we would love to hear about yes. it. So it was cool. It was very cool to see him there and. Most of the other people who were signing autographs, I had no idea who they are because they're from shows <laughs> I don't watch. So, okay, yeah, uh, that was that. Um, so then I went to a panel that was run by um, a, a group called I think they're called Legal Geeks. I think that's right. Okay, and they were doing. They're all lawyers, and one of them is a, a federal magistrate, and they were talking about how the law applies to. Um, classic monsters from Universal Pictures, and it was really fun. Um, they they've done <laughs> okay. What a topic! I know. So they've done panels on Star Trek, and I have to find their uh, the blogs and reports about it. They've considered questions like, if your body is possessed by an alien and commits murder, are you responsible for it? Or like, if you were if you went to to court and you were tried, what would the judge say? What would the jury hear as part of the evidence? Mm-hmm. So that's what they did by looking at all the different universal monsters so there was a big debate about is frank is the frankenstein monster human right does it meet the criteria for whether uh it it exists as a human being is it an animal is it something else what about the creature from the black lagoon is that a a, an animal (laughs) is it a wild animal does it come under the endangered species act um would you be allowed to transport it across country lines what about the wolfman is that a human but or maybe just a human half the time um you know would you apply a law that says that owners have to keep their their vicious dogs locked up to the wolfman when he's in human form that he should know better that he should lock himself up when he's the wolfman and you know could he be, <laughs> could he be liable legally if he bit somebody while he you know it was, <laughs> it was really good it was really really interesting and they were funny and they had a lot of good commentary but it was all based on um, very sound legal advice to consider all these things. So um, wow. if they, apparently they do these panels at different cons. So I would say if you ever uh-huh. see them doing a con and they have a panel where they're talking about legal issues and monsters or Star Trek or Battlestar Galactica, go and see them. It was really fun and entertaining. And I like that legal geek stuff anyway. So I, I thought yeah. it was great. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. So another little unexpected gem did not think that was, didn't really know what that was going to be. And it turned out to be awesome. Okay. That's great. Yeah. Um, I'm going to talk about the last one and then I'm going to jump back. So the last panel that I went to was called um, Fourth Wave Feminism and the Rise of Superheroines. And it was okay. I I felt like this year the fan panels were not really as good as they could have been. This particular panel had some authors and I think the moderator dropped out at the last minute so one of the authors had to jump in as a moderator and was not really Mm -hmm. prepared and that's a very difficult thing to do so it was kind of okay running opposite it was a thing about um, going to Mars I should have gone to the Mars thing I think it would have been more interesting Mm. I think we learned and I forgot that lesson that 
when you go to Silicon Valley Comic Con, if there's a choice between a fan panel and a science panel, you should go to the science panel. Yes. So yes, yes. Uh, that was my mistake. And I think if we go again, I'm going to write that on my forehead so I never forget. Choose the science <laughs> panel over the fan panel. No, you should write it on my forehead uh, so you'll see yeah, it. Um, I'll put it on my, my lock screen. On science my, panels. On my phone. Yeah. So every time I open my phone, it's like, go to the science panel. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm doing I'm it. Doing I'm doing it. it. So it, it was fine. It just, it, it didn't, there was nothing in it that I didn't already kind of know. Um, mm-hmm. The approaches were interesting in talking. They recommended different um, female superheroes that they thought were doing a good job, and you know it was good, but it wasn't it wasn't that engaging. I guess I always want to feel mm. like I'm engaged. Okay. Yes. Yes. So the last panel that I want to talk about um, has a little history with us. So do you remember when we were there two years ago? Just before we were about to leave, we posed with some people who were cosplaying Galaxy Quest. Yes. Those people had the a, pictures. Those people had a panel. Oh my goodness! About Galaxy Quest. Oh wow! So it was two people again. There was supposed to be a moderator, and that moderator did not show up. So it was just Jeez. the two of them. I don't know what was going on with moderators this year, but you know what? Mm-hmm. You really need a moderator when you're doing a panel. Let me just well, say yeah. that. So um, these people. Um, they're a couple. They're married. His name is Harold Weir, and her name is Roxanne Weir. And they actually run a little cosplay group called um, Thermians from Utah. And I'd actually <laughs> seen them around during the day in their Thermian outfits. And I was like, oh, it's the Thermians. And I didn't realize it was the same people from two years ago. So uh-huh. they did the panel um, dressed in their uh, um their regular Galaxy Quest cosplay uniforms. So she okay. was dressed as Tawny, and I actually wasn't sure who he was supposed to be dressed as. He was just wearing Uh-oh. he was wearing a uniform, and he had on a wig, and I couldn't tell whether the wig was supposed to be Guy or whether he was supposed to be Commander Taggart. It was hard to tell. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so, you know, um, they, they tried. Oh, the room was packed, so it was in yeah. it was in the icebox room. Remember that room? Um, yes. And it was full, so there were a lot of people there. Uh, wasn't anybody else in Galaxy Quest cosplay, but uh, quite a few people in Star Trek cosplay, which you would expect mm-hmm. from something like that. Um, I arrived there at um, two o'clock, and they'd been talking for ten minutes already. They just decided to start the session early, so everybody oh. was clustered outside the door, kind of sticking their heads, going is this the panel or is this the previous panel? And they were just kind of mm-hmm. blithely talking away. So oh. strike one, don't, don't start early. <laughs> it's really not a cool thing to do at right. a con where it's, so many things it's are rude. Really, it's rude. So that was that. Number two, um, they had a laptop that was connected to the AV, but there was nothing on it. So we were looking at somebody's desktop the whole time. And I don't know whether they had stuff that was supposed to show, like pictures or video, but there was nothing. So there was no audiovisual component to their talk. Um, Number three, there was no structure. And that was really disappointing. It was an hour of them telling stories about their cosplay and the people that they've had dinner with and other panels that they've done at other cons. And that was it. 
And I just felt really kind of disappointed and sad about that because the fact that the room was full showed me that there are people who want to talk about this, right? Like Galaxy Mm -hmm. Quest is a thing and it's a thing with Star Trek fans and it's a thing with science fiction fans. People are hungry for that kind of content. It's a, it's a classic movie in the genre now. It's one of the best Star Trek movies ever made, right? It was Yes. They should get like the people who wrote it, who wrote Galaxy Quest. Exactly. Or if you're going to talk about it, have a point that that was the problem. There was no point to this discussion. Um, they mm-hmm. shared some trivia about it. They they talked about, uh, well, here, here's my other, well, okay, I have two other criticisms, and I'm sorry, I, I don't mean to slam these people for doing what they did. I think they were, maybe they were unprepared. Again, as I said, there was no moderator to keep things on track. Mm-hmm. Um, the guy, Harold, he was an unstoppable, like, just kept talking and kept talking and talked over his wife and she kept having to elbow him to get him to shut up so she could say something. So that was a little weird. Um, Yeah. But he just bounced around from topic to topic, whatever came into his head. He said some stuff early on that really kind of put me off. So here's number one. He was talking. Okay. Get ready. Um, He was talking about things that they took from Star Trek and they had a prop of one of the, um, the tricorder devices, whatever they called it. I don't remember. It was like a land scanner or something, right? Mm-hmm. The thing that they use when they're down on the planet. And so right. He's showing it. He's like, you know, they don't make these, so we had to make it ourselves. And it looked pretty good. You know, obviously a lot of work that went into it. And he said, did you know that they took this concept from Star Trek because of the tri-? It's like, yes, of course. Everybody knows that. <laughs> and then he said... And did you know that Leonard Nimoy was famous for holding the tricorder prop upside down and constantly had to be corrected on that? And I went, that's not true. I've never heard that before. And even if it was true, Leonard Nimoy as an actor constantly holding the prop the wrong way? No, that doesn't happen in, in television, right? You hold it wrong the well, first time. Well, and maybe like the first, the first time, time or something. And then the director yells at like, you and then you're like, oh, yeah. sorry. And then you, you get it right from then on because you're filming a TV show and you got to do things right and there's no time for screwing around. Yeah. So that. Oh, wow. So I was like, okay, that's weird. And then he was talking about how, you know, obviously um, Commander Taggart and that whole character is um, – a, a, a Shatner thing, right? Obviously, yeah. obviously, like everybody knows that. That's the whole point is that there. And he, mm-hmm. he was talking about the line where um, Alexander Dane says, oh, you have to always make it about you, don't you? <laughs> yes. A funny line. And he goes, and the, the guy on the panel said, did you know? And I immediately flashed back to our last show where we were talking about the horror stories. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because what he said next was, did you know that William Shatner made sure that he had more lines than the other actors and that he had special lighting so that all of the attention was on him? Ooh. (laughs) And I I just sat there and said, but he was the star of the show. Yeah. Yeah. I think some people want to believe that like the, the the crew of the Enterprise, this was an ensemble show. But even in, like, uh, TNG, which was supposed to be more of an ensemble show, you knew who the captain was. Yeah. So 
just to say, you know, William Shatner had more lines than other people. Yeah, because he was the star of the show. Like we talked mm-hmm. about before, his name was first in the credits. He was in every scene. He was the star of the show. He had special well, lighting because and- he was the star of the show. And, you know, people have talked about, you know, oh, he wasn't very friendly to me or something. That's like, okay, as Bill uh, put it recently in an article I was reading, to him, George Takei was this guy who came in a couple days a week. Mm -hmm. He was there every single day. In almost every scene. Yes. And, you know, so was Leonard. And wait, I got it. I'm going to interrupt myself to tell this quick story. This was in an article I read. Somebody recently asked him, if you had not played Kirk, what role would you like to have played in Star Mm. Trek? And he said, Sulu. (laughs) Because then I wouldn't have put up with George Takei. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Okay, continue. Uh, That guy's an ignoramus. So so that made me think. And I, it made me just feel really bad for one thing, that this person is saying stuff that's not true about Star Trek in a Galaxy Quest panel. If you're doing a panel and you're up there and presenting yourself as an expert on the subject, I think you should make an effort to find out the stuff that you're saying is true. Um, mm-hmm. And that is actually, um, if it is true, that you're treating it like it's, um, let me give an example. I'm not expressing myself very well. So one of the things that, that they were saying about the movie is that some of the funnier lines were ad-libbed by the actors, especially Sam Rockwell, who apparently is super funny. And so some of mm-hmm. the things that he said were not in the script. And they made a big fucking deal out of that. Like, and that line where he where he says, where Guy goes, oh, that's not right. Like, that wasn't in the script. He improvised that line. It wasn't in the script. They didn't write that. He just came up with it. it was, and I'm like, yeah, that's how movies get made, right? Like the actors sit down and they read the script and they offer suggestions and the director takes it or he doesn't. And if the ad lib is mm-hmm. funny, they leave it in. But they're treating it like this. It's a miracle. Like it's a miracle that this doesn't happen in movies, that movies aren't changed at the last minute and that st- scripts aren't being constantly rewritten on the floor when they're filming, which they are yes. all the time. That's just standard operating procedure. But they were talking about it in the context of Galaxy Quest like it was this major revelation. And Well, you know what happens is, you know, there's publicity people. And so they'll glom on to something like that. You know, Sam Rockwell improvised this line. And I guess to some people who know nothing about how movies mm-hmm. are made, they believe every word that, that they read about it or that comes out of somebody's mouth. Yeah. And since the publicity people specifically pointed that one out, because I've read that places, you know, yeah. this guy is just swallowing it hook, line, and sinker. It was just so disappointing. So I, I just feel like I felt very cheated because I was hoping to get a lot more out of this panel, like a real discussion mm-hmm. around the importance of Galaxy Quest and what it means and, you know, the ways it was the same as Star Trek, but the ways in which it was different and as a celebration of mm-hmm. like all the things we've talked about it for hours on this show. So oh, yeah. Things. And that's what I was hoping to hear from someone else. And I really did not feel like I got any of that and got people... holding themselves up as experts presenting incorrect information that it would be super easy (laughs) to check or present in the proper context. And that just seems like a a waste. And also 
you're not serving the audience very well when, you know, the room is full of like 70 people who are there to hear this stuff and you're just telling them. And they're questarians, you know. they're questarians and they're fans. So I didn't feel like the whole thing was that well received. And honestly, when they got to question answers, I had to leave because it was too painful to sit there any longer. I felt some secondhand embarrassment for the whole thing. Mm -hmm. But, um, it made me wonder a little bit more, like, for the fan panels at Silicon Valley Comic Con, how much are they vetting them? I'm guessing not very much, because this just didn't seem like they had a show ready to go, and yeah, maybe that's huh. part of the problem. Um, so it made me all the more want us to do a really good panel at Silicon Valley Comic Con and um, find a reason to talk about Kirk for 45 minutes, so we need to get on that, I think. Or just do our little look at his butt show that we did. We could do look at his butt. That would be fun, too. I I looked (laughs) to see if they had any shows, and they didn't really. Like, they had panels. Mm -hmm. There was one podcasting thing, but that was about gaming, I think. You know, there was, like, the cosplay, and there was some dancing and all that. Right. But but I don't know. No, but I'm not talking about we would do a a live look at his butt. I'm talking about the show that we did in, you know, Palo Alto and, and... yeah. No. Oh, that would be great. Yeah, I was thinking about that. Our sketch that. comedy show. Our sketch show. comedy show. Plus, we could show the montage of all the Kirk kisses and, um, mm-hmm. you know, all that stuff. It would be really good. So, maybe, maybe one day we can get that together. That would be fun. So, uh, that's my report. Uh, I was, you know, the Galaxy Quest thing was disappointing. It didn't ruin it for me mm-hmm. or anything, but I, good, I had good. high hopes. It was generally very pleasant. It was uh, air conditioned and not hot. And, uh, you know, was, we were able to get um, drink and food and all of that. And then, unfortunately, no Gordon Biersch for afterwards. So I know. That, that is just heartbreaking. It was. But we managed to find a nice restaurant and had a, a beer and a nice mm-hmm. meal and then took the train and went home. So well, that was good. good. And then I was exhausted and came home and went to bed. Yes, yes. <laughs> Well, thank you, Lena, for that very thorough report. You're very welcome. And uh, thank you, thank you for going to that. Now I understand that because you went to that, you did not go to Star Trek Live. I, Is that I right? I could not. It was all happening on the same day, and I felt bad about right. that. But it was just not to be. Um, however. The show that the the other live show that they're doing, which is the live version of Naked Time, is running through September. So I will absolutely be going to see that with some friends of mine. Now these are two different groups. No, it's the doing it's this? the same group. So oh. previously, it's it's Lee Crow and her 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 crew. Her crew, yes, her crew of ragtag actors. That's right. And, um, yes. The, the thing last night was just a one-off showing of Wrath of Khan <gasps> with a costume contest. The the next show is the the standard recreation of the episode on stage okay okay yes please go to that oh that's going to be so good i cannot wait to see her do kirk rolling around the conference room going (laughs) (laughs) never let you go (laughs) (laughs) that is going to be amazing well give give lee my regards she probably doesn't remember me at all but you know tell her i'm a i am a Big fan. I will. Last time we as 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 are you. Oh yes, last it, time I I managed to get a word with her and I gave her a kiss and I told her we'd been fans forever and we just love what she does and she's just she's great. She's yes, she's amazing. <laughs> it's going to be so awesome and I believe that oh. there's a different uh, drag queen playing Ohura this year. So I don't know if she's going to be you know seven feet tall, but um, 
it <laughs> as she was last up. year, which was amazing. Just so good. Uh, yes. Oh, I wish I could see it with you. Oh, it's going to be good. Yep. So uh, at Bay Area folks, if any of you are around, that's going to be running at the San Francisco Oasis uh, from the end of August through, I believe, the end of September on weekends. I think it's Friday nights and Saturday nights. Well, get your ticket. Yes. Everybody should go to Yes. That. It will be wonderful. Okay. So I think that's it for me. Um, I'm wondering if we're, I guess we could try to do another show before vacation. We could, we could squeeze mm, it in there probably. Maybe. maybe. Things are just getting busier and busier, but we will try. Yes. And um, uh, certainly if we have something really eventful, we need to talk about. That's true. Um, as we met, might have mentioned before, we are taking a vacation together uh, in, yes. in September. We're going on a big boat and we're going to be cruising around the Europe and having a lovely time. <laughs> Eating a lot of tapas, I think. And and being waited on. Yeah. And, oh, just just floating away, literally good. and figuratively. It's going to be good. And uh, maybe we'll bring some stuff to watch. Remember last time we watched the, the, the Mego uh, Star Trek toys thing? That was super fun. Oh, yes. Yeah. I'd forgotten about doing that. I remember that we, we had them bring us the DVD of... Um, not the postman always rings twice. What's, oh, did we watch it? all about Eve? I can't even remember. No, no, we watched the the Mc, Fred McBurge. Oh, that's Stan right. Um, uh, Double Jeopardy. Double no, double indemnity. Double indemnity. That's what it is. <laughs> I, I knew we'd get there. <laughs> oh, that was awesome. That was so much fun. Yes. Yes. Uh, it will be good. Anyway, so we'll be doing that. So we'll we'll try to see if we can get another one out there, but uh, no promises. Okay. Well, listeners, thanks again for being our, our friends, for being our listeners, for participating in the Facebook group and sending us fun stuff and commenting on the blog and all of that. Uh, we appreciate you very much, and we love you. You're, you're wonderful fans. You're just great. Yep. We love doing this. We do. So until the next time around, as always, live long and potluck. Potluck! Potluck! <laughs> <laughs>